you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to that little letter called Philemon. It's over in the New Testament. It's, uh, if you don't know where it's at, it's only one page, so you can miss it. If you find Hebrews, you just go back, right back behind Hebrews, right before Hebrews, and then you'll find the little letter to Philemon. But before we do that, before we look at that, let's uh, do a quick quiz. If you're going like, oh, this is church. I thought it wasn't school. But no, it's just, we want to learn. This was a quick quiz. This is really easy, okay? Tell me, who was the author of the, of the letter of Philemon? Paul. Okay, that was easy. Okay, where was it written from? Where was the location of where it was written from? Okay, where? Prison. Okay, was the prison in Rome? It was, it was done there. How, who was it written to? Who was it written to? Philemon. Oh, okay. Now we're back. Okay. We had a blurp in the technology there. Uh, it, was written to, it was written to a guy named Philemon. And Philemon was a wealthy person who actually had a church that met in his house. Kind of like a big small group. Okay. Uh, and, and finally, who was it written uh, about? This is the hard one because it's hard to pronounce. Onesimus, Onesimus. It looks like one Simus, but it's Onesimus, okay? Onesimus, who was a runaway slave. Now, as I begin the process of studying this and thinking about this series, because we just finished, just a couple of weeks ago, we finished this uh, little book in the Old Testament called Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, whichever way you want to pronounce it. Uh, we looked at that. It was three chapters long, and it was so uh, we did three weeks on that. This little letter to Philemon, though, is only 25 verses long. And as I begin to look at it, I'm going like, how long of a series are we going to have on 25 verses? Particularly when the first three verses are kind of like a greeting and the last three verses are kind of like a see you later. And so there's actually only 19 verses of what you'd call content in this little letter to Philemon. And it's a personal letter. It's not really meant to be something that's really teaching because Timothy and Titus, which are personal letters as well, were really doctrinal letters teaching not only Timothy and Titus, but they were to share with other people in the church. But Philemon was written basically to this one guy named Philemon who Paul had a relationship with years ago. It led to Christ and now had re-encountered it through this runaway slave Onesimus. And so I began to look at it. And so what I did is I began to look at it from different vantage points. Um, there was a movie out earlier this year, I guess about a year ago or a little bit less than a year ago, called Vantage Point. Anybody see that movie, Vantage Point? It's kind of an interesting movie. If you remember the movie, for those who didn't see it, basically it was a movie which kept, it was really about, about five minutes in time or maybe ten minutes in time. But it kept going back and rewinding the movie and it would show uh, the same scene. It was a terrorist uh, trying to shoot the president, something thing. And it kept showing it from different people's perspective. And he would come over here and talk, show it from, this, uh, uh, from this, this one person. And then we'd go over here and show it from another. The same thing over and over. And as you, in the movie, as you saw this same scene from different perspectives, you got more information and it, it began to build and you began to understand what was going on. Because at first, you didn't really understand what was going on just from one perspective. That's kind of how I do study when I do it and look at any, any study of any book of the Bible. But particularly in this instance where there's a very small amount of information here. The first thing I did was began the process by reading through multiple translations of this. You know, you could read these 25 verses just like that. 
But uh, you can go online and you can go to BibleGateway.com is one really easy site and and look at about 10 or 12 different translations, English translations, uh, that will give you some different perspectives on this. Just a few changing of words, a little different way they word things and flow. And that's where I began the process and I always do that with scripture, just reading to myself and asking God to speak through that. But secondly, what I do is I go to commentators, people that have written uh, commentaries on scripture, and I always go to ones that are really good. You know, there's there's some stuff online even, and in Bible Gateway, there's a commentary on Matthew Henry's commentary, which is a really old one, but it's got good stuff. And then there's, uh, if I'm looking at New Testament, what I did this time, I looked at William Barclay's New Testament commentary, which is a great one as well. Uh, And there's other ones out there as well. But one of the things in our world today we can do, we we can also go to solid Bible teachers that are out there, and you you can get access to them online nowadays. For every time that I'm looking at a passage of Scripture, I'll go, or a topic, I'll go and look at what other, and I have a list of people that I use that I trust because I believe they're solid, they're solid pastors who lead solid churches, and I'll go, and while I don't agree with them totally, they don't have to be exactly who I am, I'll go and look at them and and listen to what they have to say about this, and that's what I did with this. I went and and looked online to uh, the Grace Church in in California where John MacArthur's pastor, and uh, even though I don't always agree with John MacArthur's conclusions. I like he's a very careful biblical uh, writer, and and he had a, a series on on this a little series of messages on this little book of Philemon, this little letter, and it was his focus was on the whole aspect of forgiveness, and that's part of what's here as well. And as I looked at then uh, looked at to uh, James McDonald, who is the pastor up in Chicago at uh, Harvest Bible Ch- Church up there, uh, listened to a series he had. And that series was focused upon the same little book, same little 25 verses, but focused upon the whole thing of relationships, about how God changes our relationships uh, when we go through this process of trusting in Him. And then I looked also at Craig Rochelle, who is a favorite pastor of mine. It's a church called Life Church. It's out in Oklahoma City. And uh, went online and actually listened to and used some, some, some things from him uh, that reminded me, and he focused upon this whole aspect of and really focused upon the word change. And so in doing that, I saw all these different perspectives. And so when I first looked at this thinking, now how in the world can I get a series out of these 25 verses? And it's only going to be, it's going to be three weeks long. How can I, can I stretch? Now I'm wondering how I can get it all in in three weeks because there's so many things in here that is so relevant to where you and I are today. Now, what I want to do today, just to introduce this book in the next couple of weeks, and I might extend it for three weeks, I'm not sure yet, because I do have a lot, there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, there is, I just want to talk about two lessons. And I call this series Change, but also it's really kind of a subtitle is Lessons from a Changed Life. Lessons from a changed life. What we're going to be looking at is the, the life that was changed, Onesimus' life that was changed, and what kind of lessons can we look at as Paul writes this letter to this friend of his, Philemon, and about this guy named Onesimus. So this morning, if you have your notes there, you can have your Bible open. We're going to look at a couple of passages of Scripture out of this. And then we're also going to be talking about some other Scriptures we'll put up on the screen as well. Uh, And you can write down whatever notes you want to this morning. The first lesson that I saw in this, not the only one, there's tons of lessons here. The first lesson of the two I want to talk about today is this, is that in the book of Philemon, we learn this. Don't deny your problems, face them. Don't deny your problems, face them. It says in, in uh, this little book, in verse, in verse 12, there's only one chapter, so whatever I say 12, that means verse 12. It's, it says this, Paul says, I am sending Onesimus, 
Who is my very heart back to you? Now, when you read that verse you don't, and you don't understand the context, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it was a big deal. Because, remember, Onesimus was a runaway slave. And you're going, like, Paul should have jumped up and down about slavery. Well, Paul understood the culture, and he understood how to deal with this. Because in the Roman Empire of that day, there were 60 million slaves. And the revolt of, the potential revolt of slaves in that time was so real that they were, slaves were treated, runaway slaves or any slaves were treated harshly to keep them under control. And that was part of the culture that was in that day. Eventually, slavery was abolished in that culture, but it wasn't the time to jump up and down and get on their soapbox about it. And Paul dealt with it in a different way because he understood that when we come to know Jesus Christ, it changes every relationship that we have. And so he begins to focus on that. So what happens is, is Onesimus has come to Paul. He's encountered Paul. Paul has led him to Jesus Christ. But in doing so, he knows he needs to go back and face up to what the problem was in his life. He doesn't need to deny the problem. He needs to face up to that problem. And Paul knew full well what could happen, the potential of what could happen if he sent him back to Philemon. Even though Philemon was in Christ, you know, being a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect, right? Anybody here think that? You've become being a Christian means you're perfect? Okay, you live in, don't live in the real world if you think that's true. It means you're forgiven. And God has begun to work in you to change things in you, but you're not perfect. And so he still had some potential there. And he lived in a culture where the way you treated your slaves, the least likely thing that would happen to a runaway slave if he was returned, the least harsh thing that would happen in that society was that the slave would be branded on the forehead with an F, which meant fugitive. Actually, it was fugitivist, but it's, it was that, and that's what it meant. That was the least thing you could have done. for. That doesn't sound very fun to me. I don't know about you, but that's the least thing you can do. But most likely in that society, what would happen to a runaway slave that was returned to the master was that master could, first of all, beat that slave and then kill the slave, most likely by crucifixion. That's what happened in that culture. That was the given. Paul knew this. He knew that Philemon had every right culturally, according to the law, to do just that to Onesimus. But Paul says to him, Onesimus, you don't deny your problems, face them. What I'm going to do is write you a letter of recommendation. And I want you to take it with you and go back and encounter Philemon because you need to make right what you've done wrong. So often in our world, so often what we do is we don't face our problems, we simply deny them. It's kind of the way we, uh, it's kind of the way we uh, live in denial so often by the way we, people come to us all the time and, you know, and say, say things like, how are you doing? How do you respond to people when they say, how are you doing? I'm fine. Or the current thing is this. It's all good. Liar. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying that your life is in shambles, but it's not all good unless you live in the different world that I live in. There are things now, you know, we don't always want to get into long, detailed conversations with people every time we meet them. So we just make us up. Oh, it's all good. Fine. Everything's all right. But so often we live in denial. So often people live in denial with their marriage problems. For years and years and years, they're going through the motions and they go and they just live in denial. And for some reason, and all of a sudden it falls apart and they ask, you know, what happened? And they know there's something going on there because the relationship's not right. But the last, usually when they come, by the time people come to my office or go to a counselor's office, 
I hate to say this, but many times it's too late. Because they let it go on and on and on and on for a long time. They live in denial. They deny their problems. They don't face them early enough. Or on the people who have kids and their kids are a mess. And they'll, they'll say, oh, I don't know. My kids are just out of control. And then I'll ask, well, what, do you, what have you changed recently to help the situation? Well, nothing really. So, you know what's called? I heard, know you've heard this one before. When you keep doing the same things over and over and expect different results. Insanity. I mean, if you can, you can have, if your kids are out of control, you need to change something. Change the way you behave toward them. We'll talk about that after Easter. We're going to do a series on parenting. We're going to talk about this whole thing from the biblical perspective because the Bible has a lot to say about the way we do our parenting. Has some great advice. And our finances, so often we're in denial. We know people will spend, 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 spend and wonder. All of a sudden, you know, why am I such debt? I mean, look at their economy right now in America, folks. We've been living in denial as a nation for so long, it's unreal. Is it not true? And finally, we, we wake up and we ask, why is this happening? Why is this happening? It's because we've been living in denial. So God says to us in, in this little book of Philemon, one of the things, one of the lessons from changed life is this, is don't deny your problems, face them. So what's your problem? What's your problem? What's the problem you need to face? How do you deal with it? Some people just, you know, when they have problems, what they do is they, they respond to them in four different ways. One is they can curse the problem. They get mad. They get mad. And they just, you know, anger doesn't do very much for solving problems. I don't know if you found that to be true, but I have. Some people nurse the problem. They go, oh, me, they're poor me. And they internalize and they get, you know, have ulcers and all kinds of problems. And so that's what they do. Some people try to fix the problem themselves. I mean, they really don't turn to God. They just try to fix it themselves. They don't even consult God about it. They just do their own thing. That's usually a disaster as well. But the Bible says to us, and the, and the thing here is this, is that we don't deny our problems. We face them. But when we face them, we turn our face towards God. And toward his plan. And we say, God, what is your solution to the problem? And so that's the first thing we talked about today. It says in Second Chronicles, when it was going through a tough time, the nation of Israel says, that this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. They were looking out and seeing this vast army. He says, for the battle is not yours but God's. Go out to face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. God says that when we have a difficulty in life, don't just try to, you know, just push it away. Don't deny it. Don't try to solve it all yourself. Ask God, God, how how can I turn to you? How can I turn to your solution and follow your plan? Because God does have plans in his word and principles that apply to everything in our lives. That's the first thing we see in this little book, this little letter called Philemon. The second lesson I want to focus on in the last few minutes we have this morning is this is we don't focus on what was, but on what can be. We don't focus on what was, but what can be. This is the focal verse, I believe. Verse 11 is the focal verse, I believe, in Philemon. Right in the middle of the whole thing. It says this. Formerly Onesimus, Paul saying to Philemon, formerly Onesimus was useless to you. But now he has become useful both to you and to me. Formerly used to be, he was useless. Remember, Onesimus 
runaway slave. And from what we gather, before he took off, he did not only just ran away, but he took some stuff. He must have stolen something, did some stuff. He wasn't your model slave, whatever a model slave is. But he had taken off. He had been, he'd been useless to, to Philemon. But Paul says now, now though, some things have changed in his life. It's, it's, uh, uh, there's been a clean break and some things have changed. It's interesting that the name Onesimus, that name, means useful. That's what the name means. So up to this point, Paul said, formerly Onesimus didn't live up to his name. But now he's living up to his name because now he is useful both to Paul and to Philemon. And how he expresses that is basically, and formerly that word in Greek, that word is pote, and it means in the old time, in the past, just not long, long ago, formerly. And the word, but now, the words but now, denune, it means no longer the past. No longer the past. It's gone, but now. So he's saying to us, and this is the thing, you know, formerly he was this way, now he's this way. And that is a key focus of this, this letter, but it's also a key focus for us in our lives. Formerly you were this way, but now you're this way. Because when God comes into your life and when you allow him and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, what happens is the, the past is past. Formerly you were this way, but now. I remember for years and years and years of ministry... I could be here and tell you stories all day about this. But I just thought of a few people, formerly but now stories. I remember years ago, uh, probably about 20 years ago, when I went to the church in Virginia that I was formerly a pastor at. I went there and I met a guy named Larry. I'll never forget Larry because about a year into the life of the church, Larry had been there. He was in his mid-40s. He was a guy who seemed just really beaten down. He was smart. He had all kind of things I thought going for him. But Larry, I tried to, I went to him one day and I said, Larry, hey man, I knew he had accepted Christ. He had he'd been baptized. He was living a Christian life. He was, you know, studying God's word. He was, he was doing everything except he wasn't serving. He wasn't doing anything. And I asked him, Larry, what's going on, man? You, you've got all this potential. You're a leader. He was the kind of guy that was a leader. And he said, you don't understand. I can't do that because of what I used to, what I, what did in the past. And I said, Larry, nothing disqualifies you. you. Christ came into your life. You're changed. Formally, but now. And he said, well, you got to understand. He said, years ago, you don't, didn't know me back then. Ten years ago, I did something terrible. I embezzled money from my business. And in doing so, I was caught and I was put in prison. And I was in prison for several years. And finally, I got out. In the last five years, I've been out of prison. And, I, and during that time, I've accepted Christ. I've come to know him. And I've changed. But, but I, I just can't do this because, you know, all the stuff in my past. And I said, Larry, formerly you were that way. But that old part has died. Now you're a new creation. That's what this letter to Philemon talks about. Formerly Onesimus was this way, but now he's useful. God has changed him. I thought about a guy named Chet. Chet was a guy who, we were in the life of the church, about five years into the life of the church in Virginia there. And, and we were going through a transition time. We were going to start a contemporary service. And Chet had started coming back to church after being out of church for 20 years. And, and Chet was in about early 40s. And Chet, uh, he was an incredible musician. Man, one of the most gifted, talented guys I'd ever met. And I went to Chet and I said, hey, Chet, how about getting there? You know, we're starting this praise band, you know, and I don't know how it's going to work because we've never done it before. But we'll try it. And, and he said, no, you can't understand. I can't do that. 
And I said, well, Chad, you've already accepted Christ. I baptized him. And I said, you know, what's the, you know, and not only that doesn't make you perfect by any means, but I said, you know, I know that you're committed to him. I see that in your life. He said, but you don't understand. For years and years and years, I used the talents that I had, and I played in bars and nightclubs. He said, you wouldn't believe some of the crazy stuff that went on there. So I can't do this now. And I said, Chet, Chet, that was formerly. But now, but now God has changed you. He wants to make you useful. I can only tell you that Chet became incredibly useful. One of the most gifted, talented musicians I know has served God for the last 15 years. And served in worship teams and praise teams. Formerly, but now. I remember a youth uh, named Wes. And Wes was a guy that, uh, man, if you first met him, he was freaky. I mean, Wes was really freaky. He wore a trench coat in the summer. Black trench coat in the summer. Had spiky hair. I mean, literally as long as my fingers are up this high. And you never know which color it was going to be which day of the week. You know, he was just that kind of guy. But he came into the life of the church. That was when I was a youth pastor. Even This was actually, this was years and years ago. And I remember Wes, and, and one day Wes uh, uh, come in. I sit down and talk with Wes. And I knew Wes's heart because he, was, he had accepted Christ. He had changed in his life. And, and Wes was just seemed defeated. And Wes said, and I was talking to him about, you know, you know, what God could do in his life. And he said, no, you don't understand. I can't do that because of what I've done. I said, well, what did you do so terrible, Wes? He said, well, I was addicted to drugs. I've been going through this deep depression. You know, he was on medications and stuff. He said, I have all these issues. I said, are you still that way? No, no, I'm fine now. But formerly I was this way. And I said, yeah, but now, Wes. It just took a little encouragement. And Wes became probably the greatest youth evangelist I've ever seen. Brought more freaky kids to Christ than anybody I've ever known. He could reach kids, none of you guys, you look too cool, you know. But the thing was, is he, but he, he, he was that way because formally, but now. And we all have formally, but now stories, do we not? There is something in our lives that holds us back so often to being useful for God. And this little letter to Philemon is that kind of letter that all it does, it shows us that formally we were this way, but when God changes us, but now, we don't have to be beaten down and held down by our past. I don't care what it's been. Because God changes us from the inside out. He changed a useless slave who stole and did everything wrong into a useful person to not only minister to Paul while he was in prison, but went back. And we don't know what happened. But he went back and became useful. And it became, it became a different relationship between him, I'm sure, and Philemon. Paul talks about this, not just in Philemon, but in other... You know that Paul not only wrote Philemon in prison, but he wrote three other books as well, the Bible. He wrote uh, Ephesians, Philippians... I can't talk this morning. Let's try again. Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians. He wrote those also. They're called prison letters. And in those letters, he uses this same... You know, the same terminology, formally, but now. He says in Ephesians 5, 8, For you were once dark in darkness, but now you were light in the Lord. In Colossians 1, he says, Once you were alienated from God, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. 
And in Ephesians 2, he says, you live, once you lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you belong to Christ Jesus. You know, the good news of Scripture in this little letter, even though it was not meant to be a doctrinal letter, it really wasn't meant to, it was just a personal letter, but Paul couldn't help but teaching in this letter. And this little letter is so encouraging because while Paul was sitting in prison, in chains, he says, let me encourage you guys by saying to you this, formerly you were this way, but now you're not there anymore. You can be useful. You can be useful. And how you begin the process of doing that is you don't deny your problems, you don't deny your past, you face it, and you place your face and turn towards God, and you focus your attention upon Him and His solutions, and you just do it. That's the first step. We're going to be looking at more of these steps, more of these lessons from a changed life in this little letter to Philemon. And I challenge you this week, in preparation for next week, to read just these little 25 verses. Each day, read from a different translation. And you're saying, well, I'll help you. If you've got a computer, you do. BibleGateway.com. That's just one of multitudes of places. Go there and you can just click on it and you'll figure it out. And you can li- and just put in the verses, put in the book of Philemon, click on whatever translation you want to read it in, and you can read it. And God will begin to work in your life and you'll see it from a different vantage point. And God will begin to change and help you to see things in a different way. And as he does that, God wants to say to you, don't just listen to the word, but do the word. And in doing so, God will work in your life and make you and me useful for him. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.